Hey, good morning, everyone. We are finishing up our series on living out godly character. We're going to be talking about wisdom today. Next week, we're going to jump into a new study in the book of James. And we're going to be in the book of James. Are you ready? Are you ready? Yeah, almost. Seriously. Seriously. Four months. We're going to be in the book of James. We're going to go line by line. We're going to dig in. And it's such a practical book on just how to truly live out your Christian faith. We're going to look at what happens when our faith, you know, meets up with suffering or when things don't make sense to us. How do we live out our faith when things don't make sense, when things don't go our way? And it's just such a practical book. So if you want to start reading that now, jump ahead. Start reading through the book of James, and we're going to jump into that um, next week. As we jump into God's Word today, I just want us to pray together. Maybe, maybe you uh, have come into this place, and you're just burdened, and there's some things on your heart and your life. I want to pray for you today. But specifically, I want to pray for a family in our church, uh, dear members of our church for years, the Bacher family. Mike Bacher had... Uh, cancer, and he went to be with the Lord the other day. And I'm going to pray for his wife, Christy. They're three boys, dear, dear part of our, our church. And I just want to ask for God's grace. They're going to have a, a celebration of life service for him here at the church on Thursday. But I want to pray for their family and just pray for God's comfort and his care. I am so thankful that Christy knows the Lord and Mike knew the Lord. And how many of you know, when your hope is in the Lord, we don't live this life without hope. We are people that know that to die in the Lord is to be present with him. And even though we die, we live. And that's our ultimate hope. And I just want to pray for God's comfort. And maybe for you, maybe there's something heavy on your heart that you brought in this place today. I want you to know the word of God says that we can cast all our cares at his feet because he cares for us. You can cast those cares at his feet because he cares for you today. So just join me in prayer as we just open up God's word and as we uh, just pray for the the Bacher family. Father God, we just come before you and we thank you that uh, you're a God of comfort and care, uh, that that our pain and our suffering um, is not overseen. You see it. And Lord, when we come to you, we know that we can find compassion and empathy and care and hope in you. And I just pray for the Bacher family. Uh, we know that Mike is with you to be absent from the body, is to be present with the Lord, and we're so thankful for that. But we pray for Christy and the boys that you would just comfort them, that you would be with them, that you would strengthen them, God. And I thank you for the hope that we have in Christ. And I pray for anyone here today that is just grieving, that's just going through something difficult in their life. I thank you, Lord, that you care about our needs and that we can bring them to you and we can find our hope in Christ Jesus. And I pray that you would do that today. So we thank you for your word, being able to open it up and just discover what you want for our lives. We're so grateful for that. So we want to be careful to ask all these things and no other name but the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior. And all God's children said, amen, amen. So we've been discovering what godly character looks like. And what we've looked at is Jesus cares more about who you are than what you do. He cares more about who you are than necessarily what you do. I heard a story of a, of a gentleman named Jordan Montgomery. It was a very interesting story, and he shared about how he came to Christ. And how he came to Christ was through a very difficult set of circumstances of, of wrong choices that he made in his life. And what he said was, he, he shared about how his values were askew. And, and he, it was interesting what he shared about how his life and his values were just messed up. And he shared about a story about how he lost his job and he was very successful at what he was doing. 
And when I share this story, most of us would think, well, it's not really a big deal. And why would he lose his job? It just seems like a, a lapse of judgment. And he just didn't use wisdom. But I want to tell you what happened. There was, he had an assistant working with him. And this assistant took a 20 multiple choice question for him that the company wanted uh, people to take. And the assistant took it for him. He didn't know about it at the time. And then when he found out that the assistant took the test, which the assistant did pass the test, but when, the assist, when he found out, he didn't say anything and he didn't report it. And when it was discovered, he lost his job. When it was discovered, he lost his job. And, we, you know, it, it wasn't just the infraction that he talked about, but he said it exposed a much deeper issue and problem in his life. He said it was a lack of character and integrity. And he said the backstage of his life was in disorder. And this is what he said. He eventually got his job back, but his supervisor took him under his wing and worked on his character. And this is what he said. He said he had clear goals, but not clear values. He had clear, clear goals of what he wanted to do and how he wanted to be successful, but not clear values. And because he didn't have clear values or integrity or character, that was his demise. And this is what Jordan said. He said, if you are clear about your goals, but not your values, your goals can take you to a place you never intended to go. God cares about your character. So losing his job, actually, he said, was the best thing because it made him turn to Christ and it literally changed his life. So the question is, why does character matter? And we define character as our thoughts, habits, temperaments, judgment, attitudes, motives, behavior. These are the things that make up our character. And we can damage our character because of the lack of wisdom. And that's what I want to look at today. We need wisdom in order to please God. And a couple of passages that I love. Uh, first of all, I was in James 1. I'm not going to get crazy. I want to preach this so big because I'm so excited about going to the book of James. But I'm just going to tell you James 1. I'm just going to go over it quickly. We're going to look at James 1, and then we're going to look at a passage in Proverbs that talk about wisdom. James 1, 5, and 6 says, If you need wisdom, our generous God, and he will give it to you. Just ask. Ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver for a person with divided loyalties is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Ask with confidence and our generous God will give you wisdom. Proverbs 8 uh, verses 10 through 13 says it this way. It says, choose my instruction rather than silver and knowledge rather than pure gold. For wisdom is far more valuable than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with it. I, wisdom, live together with good judgment. I know where to discover knowledge and discernment. All who fear the Lord will hate evil. Therefore, I hate pride and arrogance, corruption and perverse speech. Amen to God's word. Listen to what God is saying here. He's talking about wisdom and why it's so important. So why do we need wisdom? Well, we need wisdom, obviously, in everyday life, right? The decisions that we make. We need to ask ourselves, is this a wise decision to do this? Is this a wise decision? 
Now, I got a little pressured this year from some of you guys on the softball team. We actually had two teams this year. I played three years ago, and some of the guys were saying, Pastor, why aren't you playing? Number one, I stink. Okay, I just stink at softball. Let's just be honest. I didn't hear a lot of amens out there, but you can say amen, those of you who played with me, uh, especially my brother-in-law. You stunk, Barton, okay? I, I was okay. I was, like, I was like Pete Rose. I just got on base. I just, anything I could do, I got hit by the ball. Anything I could do, just get on base. Anyways, what happened? That year was a da- disaster because I injured every part of my body. So my, my wife said, is that wise for you to play softball? And thank God for my wonderful wife, brilliant wife, smart wife that says, don't play. You're not allowed to play because if you get hurt, don't come crawling to me, right? She's so compassionate and loving. And uh, so, you know, I saw some of the guys who are kind of my age playing this year and they're all injured. You know, they, when you start doing this to first base, something is wrong, right? It's, 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 it's hard to give it up. Can, can we just do it? You start getting your 50s. You're like, we think we, can, we think we can act like we're in our 30s. How many of you guys, you know, come on. A little sympathy. It's not. We need to give up. Okay, it's not, it's not wise. It's not wise. We need wisdom in our everyday life. We need wisdom when we buy a house or a car or wisdom with our money, who we marry, wisdom with the job we choose. And, and, and we understand that a wrong decision can be so detrimental to our, to our lives. And I wish there was just a scripture that we could have that would just specifically tell us on whom we are to marry or what job we're to choose or, or what specific college we're to attend. But here's the thing. The word of God just does give us the importance of wisdom on all those decisions that we make. But the question I want to pose to you is not just is it a wise decision. A wise decision externally, like, does this just make sense? Here's the question. Is it a godly, wise decision? Because what that does is, it takes it to a whole new level. The question we ask, not is it just a wise decision, am I wise with my money? You can go to a financial advisor and try to get as much wise counsel, which is all good. But the question we need to ask ourselves is for followers of Christ, is this a godly decision? We can have wisdom in our decision-making, but is it godly wisdom? And what we see in the book of Proverbs is how to have godly wisdom in our lives. So wanting to make money is not evil. Wanting to do well in life is not evil. What makes it evil? It's the love of money that's the root of all evil. It's misplaced priorities. Having a goal or having goals is good, but when our goals have no value behind them, we can quickly lose our way. And we can lack character in trying to achieve our goals or wanting to do well in life, which there's nothing wrong with that. But if we don't have value behind them, if we're not asking God what he thinks about it, we can easily lose our way. So how can we walk in godly wisdom. Well, here's what Proverbs tells us. Proverbs tells us that godly wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Godly wisdom is the fear of the Lord. What does that mean? Does that mean to to shake and think, oh God, don't strike me down with lightning with every bad decision I make? When it talks about fear, it talks about reverence and an awe of God. It's putting God first in your life. It's saying, God, what do you think about this? It's praying about it. It's saying, God, I need wisdom in this, but, but, but I want to please you in everything I do. It means that we align our hearts with what the Lord wants and with what the Lord loves. It's putting our heart in alignment with what God loves. Not just simply making a decision, 
But God, am I in line with you? Am I pleasing you? It's a constant examination of our heart. It's not what I want, but what the Lord desires. It asks this question, Lord, does this please you? Does this please you? Listen, having a hobby or a sport is not wrong, but is it coming before your family and your marriage? See, that's what godly wisdom asks. Godly desires that you have a healthy marriage and a healthy family. That's godly wisdom. So godly wisdom cares more about who I am in God than what I do for him. That's what godly wisdom is. See, I can do a whole bunch of stuff for God, but I can do it with the wrong motives, right? We can do a whole bunch of stuff for God, but we can do it with the wrong motives. And we can do it maybe just to be seen by others, but that's not godly wisdom. Godly wisdom looks at the character of God and asks, am I, fo- am I following God's plan for my life, for the things I do, the job that I have, in my marriage, in my relationship. And I want to give you the story of the Garden of Eden and what happened with Adam and Eve. Because what happened with Adam and Eve set, set the course for the world we live in today. And in and, and, and the culture that we live in today, we can see where it started in the beginning, in the book of Genesis. And I'm going to show you what happened to Adam and Eve. And we all know, okay, Adam and Eve, they sinned, they fell, they were cast out of the garden, sin started, and then we all had, we're all tainted by sin, and, and we needed a Savior. We understand that if we're followers of Christ. But in the garden, Adam and Eve understand something. They understand that they cannot eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. What they were doing here is they short-circuited their relationship with God by trying to gain wisdom without asking God. And I want to show you something because it's very interesting. The tree was desirable. It was good for food. It looked good. It was desirable to give insight. So it wasn't like this ugly tree with no leaves and nothing was desirable. Like, oh, we don't want to touch that tree anyways. No, it was desirable. It had good fruit. Fruit. That's why they ate of it. But God said, do not touch. Even though it looks good and it looks desirable, do not touch it. Don't go near it. Don't pick from the fruit. Don't eat it. Don't even touch it. Because if you do, you will die. So God gives them the shame. Now they have everything else around them. Anything they want. They got, you know, peach trees and apple trees and orange trees and gooseberries and blueberries and snozberries, right? They got, they got everything at their desire except this one tree. Let's see what it says. Genesis chapter 3. This is why we can understand the mess we are in our world today. Let's read what it says. It says, The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals that the Lord God had made. And one day he asked the woman, Did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Notice the doubt. Doubt's cast in her mind. Well, she said, of course we may eat the fruit of the trees in the garden, the woman said. She understood. They understood. They understood what tree they were not to eat from. It's only from the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. And God said, you must not eat of it or even touch it or you will die. You will die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows your eyes will be open, and as soon as you eat it, you 
will be like who? God. Knowing both good and evil. And what is the serpent saying there? You'll gain wisdom. You'll gain greater understanding if you eat of this tree. God's not really trying to keep it from you. If you eat of it, you're going to gain greater understanding. Yeah, they're going to gain greater understanding. They're going to understand what it means to die. See, by eating the tree's fruit, they shortcutted God's plan by trying to gain wisdom their way. And watch this. Misinterpreting what God said. Now let's, this is, I hope you guys are awake this morning because this is good. I had my, my cappuccino this morning, right, like I always do, so I'm fired up. Here, here's what we need to understand. Wisdom, true godly wisdom, is obtained how? By the fear of the Lord, by listening to God's word. We believe here that God's word is God's ultimate truth. The minute we start to reinterpret God's word to fit my needs is a slippery slope away from God in his presence. And we have God's truth to show us what his plan is. Not to hurt us, not to be this cosmic killjoy in heaven to make all our lives miserable. That's not the point. God's word and his truth is there to set us free and live in the plan that he has for all of us, which is wonderful and beautiful to walk in the freedom of the plan that he has through, through his son, Jesus Christ. But wisdom is obtained through the fear of the Lord. This is what Proverbs 1.7 says. It says, the fear of the Lord is the foundation of what? True knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and discipline. I want you to notice that it wasn't the tree necessarily, but it was their disobedience to God that was wrong. God wanted to set a standard. You must obey me here. You must obey my commands and you must not eat of it. Now, they never asked themselves this. They never asked themselves, would this be offensive to God? Isn't that interesting? They never once said, hmm, maybe we should go to God with this and honor him and ask him what his word says, what he says. They knew exactly what God's calling was. They knew what God's stipulations were, but they ignored it for their own good and their own pleasure. So they never asked, would this be offensive to God? And they never asked, would this hurt our relationship with God? They never asked those two questions. See, wisdom, godly wisdom asks, how can I please God? How can I please God? So what happens is Adam and Eve disobey, and they decided, they decided what was good now. Okay, let let. Let me bring you up to speed here. What's going on in our world today? See, it's, it's, it's good. The tree is good. So, so we can go against God's plan and eat of the tree. Parents, you understand this. Sometimes our children don't understand why we say no at times. And there's a reason why we say no. Because, because we're saying no for their good. They may not understand they may not understand all the, the, the complicated situations around it. And have you ever had a discussion with your child about why you say no, and they just keep arguing, and then finally you just say, because I'm, I'm the mom or I'm the dad, right? And then that doesn't help. But, but there's sometimes we say no because we know what's best for our children because we love them. And we put guardrails up around their lives because, because we love them when they're young. 
Jackie Hill Perry gives some interesting insight here that is just excellent on where we are today. And she says this, do we have the right to decide what is good? And here's the lie we can believe. We say, because it's pleasurable, and the tree was, and it was good to the eyes and the fruit that was there, then it must be good. Thus, God must approve. Do you see where it gets twisted? It, it, if, if it doesn't hurt anyone, that's how it gets twisted, moving away from God to me and my feelings and what I feel is right and what I feel is pleasurable and what I think is wise. If it doesn't hurt anyone, then it must be okay. Eve saw the good things and the things that God said would actually kill you. Gosh, that's where we are today. See, it didn't matter how good the tree looked. It was what God said about it that mattered. Listen, we live in a culture that is so confused today about their identity. And what we've done is, if, what we've done is we've tried to create this thing with, well, I want to make sure how I feel and if I'm comfortable. Then, and then we, we, we begin to, to, to retell the story of what God is saying. And the reason why he is firm on these things because he knows what will kill us. And so we have God's word, not, 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 not to stand in the seat of scoffers in judgment and look at the world and just yell at them and how evil everybody is. We need to look at our hearts and say, God, am I using godly wisdom in my life and the way I deal with all of these things? Am I walking in humility? And God said, I've blessed you, Adam, with all this, but don't do this because I want you to obey me. You may not understand all this, but I want you to obey me. And their eyes were opened but the wrong way. And so what God is, is showing us through his word and through the truth of his word is to say, obey me, fear me, honor me, reverence me, and you will find freedom for your life. As the church that follows Jesus Christ and the word of God, we need to be firm in what the truth of God says because it's a slippery slope when we start saying what is good and what isn't. And we need to do it obviously in love and balance that in love But here's the problem. The problem is the serpent said this. Did God really mean that? There it is. When we start to question orthodoxy, when we start questioning the truth of God's word, when he gives us a clear mandate on what marriage is and identity and sexuality, he gives us a clear mandate on that. When we begin to say things like, did God really mean that? And how many know you can reinterpret anything the way you want to? (laughs) But the question you need to ask yourself is this, and this is why it's good for all of us. And I'm speaking to us, the church, okay? So let's speak to ourselves. We need to wrestle with God's word. We need to let the truth be the truth. And then when it comes against our type of thinking, we need to wrestle through it, not how I feel, or, or this doesn't make me feel good. We need to wrestle with it and say, why did God say that? Is it because he just mean? No, it's because he loves you. And listen, not everything about our feelings and how we feel are always gonna are, are always gonna be right. Just because it looks good doesn't mean that it's right. 
And godly wisdom seeks out, God, what do you say about this? That's, ask, okay, please do this. Ask that question first. Before you jump and say, well, this is my feeling. This is what I think. This is what, you know, I, I don't want to make me feel bad. I don't want to make me feel guilty. And, you know, you sh- don't shame me. And no, no, no. Okay, before we do all that, okay, I know it's there. I hear all the arguments. But before we say that, let's say, God, what do you have to say? And then let us step back and wrestle with those issues as we, as we want to be obedient to God in his word. So what the serpent does is he causes them to reinterpret God's command and we can do the exact same thing. Why is this wrong when I feel this way? So we have to be so careful to not interpret God's word by twisting it to fit our desires even even if it violates God's will. And that's the problem. Once it violates God's will or his commands, then, then we're doing it to fit our needs. And that's where we are today. And so we live in a day and age that redefines what is good, what is good in God's eyes. So let's, let's, let's wrap this up and let me go back to, to chapter 8 of, of Proverbs. So it says this. Let me, let me wind this down. It says, All who fear the Lord will hate evil. Therefore, I hate pride and arrogance, corruption and perverse speech. So we understand that the fear of the Lord helps us to align our hearts with God's heart. The, the ESV study notes do a great job of this. They said this, describing what wisdom hates and therefore what the Lord hates calls a person to examine his or her heart, to guard it from such things, to walk in accord with what the Lord loves and to seek wisdom from all relationships and interactions. So a person that is truly walking with, wants to walk with God and obey God and ask for true wisdom, will ask these questions. Wisdom will ask these two questions. It will ask, how wise, you know, am I wise in how I treat other people? And here's the big one. Do I allow my pride to get in the way? See, godly wisdom that truly fears the Lord We'll lay down our pride and say, God, if you're speaking this to me and it's coming against me and my pride and my humility, then I, I need to accept that. And I need to humble myself before you because I know you care for me. So do I allow my pride to get, pride to get in the way? Have you ever thought this? Have you ever thought, man, I wish so-and-so were here today so they could hear this message. <laughs> you ever thought that? I hear that sometimes, Right? And, and I just need to say, and I, and I do it. Like, you'll be listening to a podcast. I'm like, oh, man, I need to, I need to afford this to so-and-so, right? They need, to, they need to hear this, right? See, if we're not careful, that can be pride in our own heart, not listening to what God wants to say to us at that moment. So godly wisdom, godly wisdom sets aside my pride to allow God to speak to my heart in my life. And I can, have the, I can have knowledge about the Bible, but not the wisdom to act it out. So as we live in our world today and all the things we see and the things we see coming against a lot of the values that we believe and the truth that we believe, as we stand firm in the truth of God's word, let's also have wisdom and how we deal with the world and how we walk in love and how we find our security in Christ Jesus. Let's let God's word be God's word. Let's let it be God's word. Let it deal with our hearts the way it needs to deal with our hearts. 
Let's wrestle with what we need to wrestle with. A truly wise person is humble and dependent on God. Wisdom starts with that correct relationship with God. Let me end with this. I want you to think for a moment. I mean, Jesus, they asked Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? He boils all the commandments, 600 plus commandments, and he boils it down to two. And it's written for us in Matthew chapter 22. And he says to love the Lord your God with what? With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, which is the greatest. And he says to love your neighbor as yourself. Now just think about it. If we were wise people, truly want to be wise people and be godly wise people, And if we just obeyed these two commandments, which I think Jesus knows what he's talking about because he's Jesus, and we just obey these two commandments, you know what? We wouldn't cheat one another. We would be faithful. We wouldn't steal. We wouldn't hurt each other. We wouldn't gossip. We wouldn't have to lock our doors. We wouldn't have to worry about our cars getting stolen. Right? We wouldn't have to worry about those things if we just followed those two commands. Wisdom cares more about the relationship than how right we are. So let's walk as God's children, obedient to God's word, and let's walk with wisdom and how we deal with our world. That we walk in love and in truth, that we walk in these relationships with wisdom, asking God for help. So the question is, how are we applying godly wisdom in my life and into our relationship? How are we doing that? And I would tell you, Go before the Lord and say, God, I want to please you more than anything else. I want my heart to be in line with you. So break any pride that I might have, right? That's always fun, isn't it? Let me walk in humility before you because I know that's wise. I might be taken advantage of, blah, 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 right? Always come back to the cross of Jesus Christ and understand that he gave up everything for us that he came to be beaten, bruised, to hang on a cross for our sins. Jesus was totally taken advantage of, but God used it for his purpose and his glory. The wisdom of the world seems so foolishness, right? It seems foolish, but to those who are being saved and coming to Christ, it's the power of God. So let's just remember that as you walk in wisdom. God, I want you to get the glory Take away my pride and what I want and my entitled spirit that we can easily have in our world today. Let me walk in godly wisdom and Christ will receive the glory. So as we go to the Lord's table today, the Apostle Paul says to examine your heart anytime you come to the table. And let me say this, communion is open to anybody here. You don't have to be a member of Living Word to take communion, but you do have to be a member of God's family. And if you haven't made that commitment to Christ yet, you can do that. I'm going to pray in just a minute. It says, anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And you can give your heart to the Lord today. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? You can just do that today. He hears your heart. And you confess your sins to him. He covers us through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. But I want us to examine our hearts and just say, God, is there, is there anything in my life or that, that, I, that I'm lacking wisdom in? And is there, and is there something you know, that you need wisdom? Ask God for it. And he's faithful. And let's just examine our hearts. And as we take communion today, Let's just thank God for the gift of his son, Jesus. And let us remember what he did for us on the cross. We're remembering his body that was given for us. He's the bread of life. And remember his blood that was shed for us. Without the shedding of blood, there could be no forgiveness of sin. So let's just remember that today as we take communion together. And let just God examine your heart today. And let's seek his wisdom. 
in our lives. And he's abundantly clear that he's generous in the way he gives us wisdom. So Father God, we just bow our hearts before you today. And as we take communion today, as the family of God, we need Jesus' help in our lives. We need his example. That he did everything for us. That he came not to be served, but to serve us and give his life as a ransom for us. Help us never to forget that. That it's all because of Christ and what he's done for us. Help us to have the same attitude as Christ. That servant attitude. Walking in humility towards one another. So as we take communion today, we remember Jesus' body that was given for us. And we remember his precious blood that was shed for us. I pray that you would bind us together as a church, God, through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. That we would walk in unity under Jesus' headship. Lord, for anyone here that's not made that commitment to Christ, I thank you that, Lord, anyone who calls upon your name, you will receive, you will save, you will forgive God. All of the stuff in our past. So we thank you for that. We just give you our lives. And we thank you for this time. In Jesus' precious name. In Jesus' precious name. And everyone said, amen. Can we take the bread together? And let's take the bread together. And then when you're ready, you can take the cup and we'll drink the cup together. Thanking Jesus for his precious blood. Amen. Amen.